For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholic patrons, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Lives Falcons Q&A and Mailbag with our patrons. Always want to start the show off by thanking you guys for your support. Uh, welcome, George Costanza, with the first comment. Of course, uh, I, I should have I guessed, but uh, glad you could make it, George. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, guys, welcome. Uh, I know we have a bunch of questions from folks uh, online. I know this is, we often do this on Monday, so Friday today, so I know we'll probably maybe get a few different people in here, but in terms of different people, we also have some exciting guests joining us tonight. First of all, you see him. He is Jordan Watkins at Big75 Fella, still, I believe, on Twitter. Jordan, it's been a yep. minute since we had you on the show. How are you doing? Oh, doing pretty well. It was fun uh, hopping on, doing a little bit of the draft talks, and uh, now happy to be back here. Yeah, yeah, lots of uh, lots of stuff. Is this has been a busy, busy off season? Much better than last off season, where it was pretty dire at times for sure. Uh, also joining us, we have Gina Kelly at Gina Thomas on Twitter. Gina, welcome. I know you, we have the the wonderful outdoor view. How are you doing out there? I am doing very well. It's a beautiful day. Happy to be here with y'all. Excellent, excellent. Well, guys. Uh, we have lots of great questions to get to. Those of you that are here live, feel free to put yours in the chat. We'll tackle as many of them as we can during this session. Uh, before we get going, do want to thank our sponsor over at betonline.ag for their continued support of the show. Obviously, want to thank the patrons as well. Uh, you guys <laughs> helped us get to the point where we have a sponsor, so uh, definitely wanted to throw that out there for you guys too. Uh, but yeah, uh, BetOnline is, of course... Wait, I'm pulling up the script. Hold on. Everybody give me a second. Okay, it's, it was supposed to load. It's not loading. It doesn't count as part of the 60 seconds. Okay, now now it starts. Now you can start the timer. Anyone who's counting. Okay. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, including info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines for this year's NBA playoffs, which are ongoing and getting a little bit spicier, it seems like, uh, uh, with with some teams maybe closing the gap a little bit. Uh, of course, you can also bet on anything you want, including NFL futures and the Falcons if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, but that's on you. Uh, no matter what you do, though, BetOnline is your sports Intel headquarters this season as they've got you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from the aforementioned basketball, NFL, MLB, NHL hockey, golf, all the way to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games. You can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action and be sure to use our promo code believe, which is B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. All right. So nailed that after, after you will edit that out. We'll edit that out in post, you know, no one else has to know about that, but, uh, (laughs) Let's start off with a question from Patreon. 
Uh, oh, and then George just put one in. So- sorry, George, we're going to wait because I already started reading Caesars from Patreon. Thank you so much, Caesar. Uh, he says, with all these new additions on the defensive side of the ball, uh, do you see the Falcons defense sort of struggling to start the season with all these these new parts that are coming in? Uh, Gina, I'll let you get the first crack at it. That I think that's an interesting one. Um, a lot going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there were some actually pretty big shakeups. So there is going to be a learning curve. I mean, obviously, they have the whole offseason. Training camp is still ahead of us. We'll have preseason to work out some of the kinks. But in general, I wouldn't panic if the defense isn't living up to expectations in the first couple of weeks. It really might take them a few weeks to hit their stride. Yeah, I think that's a pretty reasonable take. Uh, and I think I'd be inclined, inclined to agree. But Jordan, I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. Do you think we could see a little bit of a slow start for this unit? I think you can. I think it. Uh, you should expect it for the most part. And again, because of there's certain steps and certain things you got to feel out, right? Like, for example, I know Ryan Nielsen, one thing he loves to do up front is he likes to run a lot of stunts in games. What makes those work is you understand fully how this person likes to step, what the angle they like to take. So, you know, Grady Jarrett usually takes this angle. Now, Calais Campbell, David Onimata, all these guys, they have to get used to that. So it takes a little bit of time, but Again, like both of y'all said, I, I'm not going to it's not going to worry me, you know, after the first few games, if it's not what we expected it to be. Yeah, and they, they do. Uh, the schedule makers were a little bit more merciful this year with the week one matchup. Um, getting to go against the Panthers and Bryce Young and his probable first NFL start. Probably going to be him. I would pro- I would laugh if Andy Dalton was still starting. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you never know with these things. But uh so they're, they're going to get the benefit of going up against a rookie quarterback. Um, and, you know, Jordan mentioned it, like a lot of these players that they brought in were playing under Nielsen previously. So for them, it's not necessarily a brand new scheme, but there's a lot of players that were on the Falcons last year that are going to be transitioning to that new scheme. So I do think we probably won't see this defense hit its stride for like six games or so. Um, but I think... When it does, I think it could end up being pretty good. I think there's a lot of hope around this unit. There's a lot of new pieces in there. So um, there's definitely a lot of uh, optimism. And again, like what Jordan said, I wouldn't be too concerned if after like the first three games, they're still in like the 20s, you know, in in a lot of stats. But I think we could see a real turnaround after that, like um, and, and sort of continue to build. Because you, you want to be good at the end of the season. The beginning of the season, obviously, it's nice to be good at the beginning of the season, too. But ideally, you want to be getting hot at the end of the season. I mean, that's what the Falcons did in 2016. That worked out, almost worked out well for them. Um, <laughs> you know, it worked out worked out pretty well in the grand scheme. You know, just the execution. We didn't, didn't stick the landing exactly. But, um, yeah, good question, though, to get us started. What happened at the end of that year? I forgot. I yeah, completely I wiped out. it from yeah. my memory. I don't no. know what happened. <laughs> Yeah, we, we don't talk about that anymore, but um, good good question there, Caesar. Thank you for that. Uh, we got George with the comment uh, saying he, wants to, he wanted this year to do another spicy bet. Last year, he wanted to bet uh, on the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, uh, and that one almost, almost nailed that. Uh, this year, he's thinking uh, betting on the Falcons to win the NFC because the odds are, are pretty crazy. Uh, and he's he's saying uh, Jags Falcons Super Bowl because memes are real. So, <laughs> look, if you want to make a lot of money, that's the Super Bowl to bet on because I think you get what plus at least plus five hundred on the Jags, if not a lot more. And then Falcons is probably like plus 
2500 to be nfc champions or something so you know there's money to be made uh for the bold i don't know if i put a grand on it though that that's on you that's on you george (laughs) yeah that's all him yeah scared money don't make none right so (laughs) true um all right we got uh torin bix on the patreon as well saying that uh he feels comfortable with how things stack up uh, on the depth chart in general, but has some concerns at off-ball linebacker. Uh, could you guys give us some perspective on that position group? Aren't we still missing an experienced true middle linebacker? Um, yeah, that's an interesting one, and it probably depends a lot on what you think Caden Ellis is going to be doing. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jordan, what, what do you think about that question? Do you think Caden Ellis is that off-ball linebacker, or are they sort of looking for maybe more reinforcements there at some point? Uh, no, I mean, I think that's a good point. It's like you said, we saw, you know, even last year, Caden Ellis was a little bit all over the place, right? For the Saints, he'd come in as a blitzer. Sometimes he'd be on the line as a rusher. And again, I know this this possibility and the idea has been brought up a few times. Don't be surprised if maybe Rashawn Evans comes back. Like I know we have, what is it, 10, 10 million right now in, in cap space right around there. So you, you never know. I mean, that could be one of those things where, you know, you're getting closer to training camp. Maybe certain things don't look the way that, you know, the coaching staff and the front office want to look like. And so they do go back into free agency and bring somebody in. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, again, it's just after one week of OTAs, it's so hard to see exactly what Caden Ellis is going to do. How does Troy Anderson look? You know, it's just a lot of still question marks with that. Yeah. And, yeah, where, where you think he's going to line up probably – influences your thoughts on how strong the linebacker exactly. depth chart is so if yeah. you think he's off ball you're probably pretty confident if you don't think he's off ball then i could understand uh <laughs> that you're pretty concerned but gina also exactly. interested on, on your take on that position group what do you think uh the the idea is there do you think it is caden ellis as one of the two starters uh like full-time or do you think it's maybe a more of a committee approach what, what are your what are your thoughts I suspect that they're hoping that Ellis can be one of the two starters. Um, You know, and I agree with everything that Jordan said. We are just too early in this process for me to really have a fully formed opinion of that position group. Um, But yeah, like you said, they don't have to be done building this year's roster. Um, Even after the preseason, you know, there are going to be guys who are available um, who get cut. And so they've got plenty of time to sort it out. And, you know, Ellis and Anderson have plenty of time too to show the coaching staff what they can do so that they can effectively evaluate that. Yeah. And like, I, I do think that, that Ellis is going to be playing off ball and starting next to Troy Anderson. I think that's sort of the plan. And the fact that they haven't really brought in any other linebackers maybe is a little bit of a hint towards that. Um, but yeah, him playing that full time, it's, it's something we got to see in the second half of last year. Um, and Ellis's best games, according to PFF, which again, you know, I have my issues with PFF, but it's nice for talking, talking points. Um, so his best games were at Mike and, and weak side linebacker. I believe his highest graded games were when he was playing off ball. So, um, and that's in addition to him being a good, you know, Sam linebacker, rush linebacker type of player as well. I do think that uh, he's got a lot of potential off ball to be that high end starter. I mean, I think overall he was like seventh in the NFL in terms of overall PFF grade at linebacker. Um, so he's a guy that I think could be really underrated and, and be a like full time starter no matter where he lines up. But yeah, I mean, I don't blame anyone for being a little bit concerned about how it'll shake out because they're also sort of depending on 
Troy Anderson to be another starter. And we just don't really know what that'll look like last year. It was very up and down this year. Hopefully it's a lot better. I mean, you certainly look at how much they invested in him in terms of the second round pick and his potential, and it could be very good. It could also be a little bit sketchy. So I I think, you know, we'd all probably sleep a little bit better if another veteran was signed. Um, I don't think they feel any pressure to do that. There's so many linebackers available in free agency. There seem to always be, um, you know, whether they go, they could go back for Rashawn Evans. They could uh, go for like another former Titan and Zach Cunningham, who's still out there. If they're looking for more of that starter caliber guy, I mean, there's a lot of options available. So I don't feel like they feel like pressured into needing to sign somebody right now. Maybe they'll wait for, you know, maybe the first preseason game or two, see how it's shaken out. And then if they need to go, make that big addition. Um, they're going to keep some money in their back pocket for, for an injury replacement or for a potential, you know, signing to bolster a position that's not working out like they thought. So um, good question though, because the linebacker room I think is one of the ones where the depth is more questionable. Um, and we just don't really know what Troy Anderson's going to be this year. Um, even though I'm very hopeful. I, I love, love Troy Anderson and think he's a really fun player. And what he's one of those like real wild card guys, like where he could be, the catalyst for this defense being way better than people think, or he could just not be good. So it's, <laughs> he just, you know, uh, I love Troy Anderson. Sorry. I, so I, I don't entertain the possibility that he won't be good, but you know, theoretically it, it could happen. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, I didn't even realize how, especially size wise, how similar he and Caden Ellis are. And I think that's one thing that's going to help, which is, Obviously, Troy is probably more a little bit more athletic because again, he's an athletic freak. But I think that if if there was ever a position where he needed to learn this defense, he has that right person next to him to figure it out. Also, I think that to make that transition even easier, again, we talked about how you know Kate Nellis was that guy next to Demario Davis who was coming on those blitzes and some of those those stunts and schemes. Well, now if you do move Caden over to make things easier for Troy Anderson, now he can be that guy that's coming on some of those blitzes. So another way to kind of make things a little easier for him in year two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Troy Anderson, perfect 10 RAS, just complete crazy athlete, but Caden Ellis, no slouch either. Like you said, uh, 8.54 RAS. So also elite athlete and his, uh, three cone in particular was nuts. Uh, Caden Ellis had a six, six, three, three cone, which is 99.6 percentile, I believe for, for, for linebackers. That is that is like faster than most wide receivers guys. Uh, so <laughs> it's pretty nuts. Uh, so he's very athletic. That, that linebacker group could be one of those things where it just sort of dramatically changes overnight. Um, and I, I think that it's definitely something to watch that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Hopefully it changes for the better. <laughs> That's my That's my hope. But, uh, all right, we got Brandon Brass. What's up, man? Uh, asking thoughts on spending a chunk of our available cap space, cap space, on a deal for DeAndre Hopkins, I knew uh, DeAndre Hopkins would come up today because it is the it is the the topic du jour, right? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins released by the Cardinals, uh, pretty big stain on that front office that they weren't able to find a suitor to trade him, so they basically have to eat all that money for nothing. Um, but uh, yeah, Gina, what do you think, uh, DeAndre Hopkins? I didn't think it was an option when he was on his current contract, he was too expensive, but now that he's a free agent, you can make the money work however you want. What do you think about the Falcons potentially doing some sort of deal for DeAndre Hopkins? Wide receiver is a need, I, so. 
Yeah, I mean, as a fan, especially, I'm like, yes, please get this done immediately. Um, I just think that having a weapon like that in the arsenal would make this transition to full-time starter so much easier for Desmond Ritter, especially with the strength of this run game and the other receiving weapons that he would have around him, which would make it easier for um, DeAndre to make plays. You know, they're they're going to have to cover Pitts. They're going to have to cover London. They're going to have to account for Bijan. And so, yeah, adding a guy like that could make this one of the most fun Falcons offenses that we've ever seen. But as a person who covers the sport, I don't think it makes the most sense financially. He is going to be very expensive. This is the first time in many, many years that the Falcons have not been up against the cap and in like a cap crisis. And so, um, you know, I think that, from that perspective, I would prefer the team just, you know, kind of save their money. They already do have a ton of top flight talent on that offense. Um, and yeah, so I think that as a fan, I would love to see it as a person who covers the NFL. I don't think it would be the smartest business move for the Falcons. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, too. Now that he's a free agent, you know, does he want to sign mm-hmm. in Atlanta where I think their team on the upswing, but you know, is, is it going to be instant success? Like he's probably looking for going into his age 31 season, you know, for wide receivers, it can, it can fall off quickly. Sometimes it doesn't, um, you know, you see, you see Julio's a big warning case, of course, where unfortunately that just fell apart so fast and really broke all our hearts. But, um, yeah, uh, D hop is really intriguing though. He, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. Hasn't played a full slate of games recently, but, um, still very effective. Jordan, what do you think about that? potential for for Hop coming to atlanta yeah i mean i guess i see two different sides of it the first one is i, I think it was i am athlete that he went on and he was talking about hey here are the quarterbacks i want to play with he even broke down i think you know hey i want like you know stable gm and all these different things right and with the five quarterbacks you know shocker desmond ritter wasn't on that, that list which would make me think that you know whatever kansas city or baltimore or whomever else that was on that list could get him for it would make us have to pay even that much more. So uh, from that standpoint, I would say, you know, no. But again, who knows? Because again, from your point about, you know, a team on the the, uh, Ascension, that was part of the reason why I thought Calais Campbell coming here was going to be kind of a pipe dream. Again, you talk about someone now in their later 30s. Does he want to go to a team that's just on the rise or a team that's already there? And well, you know, here he is. Uh, But the other side of it is, you know, again, I, I know like the, one way a lot of people look at this is you look at just the receiver room, right? There's, you know, with Drake, Mac Holland, Scotty Miller, but we got to remember a lot of times wide receiver two, or maybe wide receiver one, depending on who's the X or Z is going to be Kyle Pitts. So it's another thing to, to look into as well in terms of how certain formations and some packages look where you got to put an 84 into that receiver room sometimes as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, because I think it is a need, but I, I think it's he's probably too expensive for that need. Um, but it really depends on what he wants, like, and, and depends on what the other offers are. Because if the offers don't come for him, then you know he may be more willing to take a one-year deal or, or something with a lot of incentives. But I, I sort of think that he's someone that teams are gonna open up the checkbook for. Um, so in that scenario, I the Falcons could do it if they wanted to, like they. They haven't really touched any of their money they could create. They've left basically all the deals untouched. They could restructure guys and create a lot of money. 
I think it's wise to not do that and that to, to keep that flexibility for more important years probably going forward because this is just the first step down the path to being a, a contender. And I think going all in, making moves for this year, probably not the wisest course as much as, you know, we'd all like to see the team just take off this season. I think they're going to take off. They don't necessarily need to go out and do crazy stuff. But, um, you know, they're... There's a lot of stuff that still needs to happen for this team, and wide receiver is one of those areas where it's very much a work in progress, but they may want to save that cap for signing somebody in free agency next year or potentially, you know, another high draft pick at receiver, um, which which could definitely be in the cards depending on how things shake out this year. Um, all right, let's see. Next question from Mad Tom K. What's up, man? He says... Which under-the-radar position battle do you think is the most interesting going into training camp? Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones. Jordan, did you did you have one in mind? We talked about some of kind of touched on some, but yeah, what are you thinking? Oh, this is a fun one, and it's the it's the favorite player that we drafted for us is, and who is going to be a nickel. You know, obviously, I know we brought Mike Hughes in. I think he's supposed to be the leader in the clubhouse for that. But as you know, I am a huge Clark Phillips fan. And so I'm really interested to see kind of where he slides and everything. Can he be a guy that, you know, once we get later into training camp and things like that, he kind of shows out as a player that, you know, I saw him be at Utah and um, can kind of push that envelope a little bit. That's uh, something that I'm really interested in intrigued in seeing. Yeah, I like that. I like that pick a lot. Um, and Clark Phillips was such a steal. I think you see fourth round, you're like, oh, maybe he'll be a depth guy. It's like, well, this is a guy that, I mean, in January mocks, this guy was going in the first round. So obviously measured in a little smaller, didn't test out crazy. Um, But again, the tape is amazing. So you don't, you know, I I tend not, if guys have great tape, you can, I think you can overlook some things Um, and, you know, maybe moving to the slot mitigates some of his size concerns, but uh, maybe he's just one of those DJ Reed types at corner where it's like, you can't you can't take the outside out of this guy. Like it doesn't matter that he's six inches shorter than six inches shorter than Drake London. He he was one of the only cornerbacks that actually played Drake London effectively. So maybe it just doesn't matter for him. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Remember, we had that one uh, little small guy from Shippensburg a couple of years ago, number 20, that uh, even though he was a little smaller, it didn't bother him either. Yeah, it didn't seem to. So, Yeah. Well, Gina, what, what do you think? Uh, you agree with Corner, or do you have another battle that you're watching? Yeah, it's always the offensive line for me every year. And that is in large part because the Falcons offensive line is often a weakness, but it's also because there are so many factors that go into that unit effect uh, functioning effectively. Um, You know, they've got to be able to develop chemistry. They've got to be able to anticipate how the guy on either side of them is going to play. So that's, those are always the position battles that I enjoy the most. So looking forward to that and hoping that it works out for the best and Ritter stays upright this season. Yeah. 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 That the offensive line is, I feel like that's been one of the ones to watch like every single year now uh, for like the past three Mm -hmm. years. But I do think the options at left guard this year are a lot more encouraging because we've now seen 
Matt Hennessy fill in pretty well when he needed to last year. And that gives you like sort of a baseline level of confidence. But then you've got Matthew Bergeron, who, you know, I think some people might look at that and be like, oh, well, is this Jalen Mayfield 2.0, right? Like you're taking a tackle and converting him to guard and asking him to start week one. You know, I think they're going to, I think they probably learned from the Jalen Mayfield thing that maybe you don't mm-hmm. take a tackle then ask him to convert to guard, then make him play at tackle all training camp, and then make him move back to guard right before the season starts because that, you know, obviously didn't go great for Jalen Mayfield. But um, I do think Bergeron's a better prospect overall. I mean, obviously he's a second rounder. Mayfield was a third rounder. Um, Bergeron also is kind of the exact opposite of Mayfield and that Bergeron actually does have tackle size too. So that's something you got in your back pocket. And Bergeron, I believe, had 38 starts, whereas Mayfield had less than... 12 uh he only mm-hmm. had the one year of starting so very different players even though they are guard tackle conversions uh the falcons aren't scared off by the conversion but i think they maybe went with some somebody a little bit different in terms of the experience profile and the size and and that sort of thing um so yeah that one's definitely the most fun to watch you know when when will bergeron overtake matt hennessy because i know people will be pretty upset if he doesn't um but Maybe he won't. Maybe Matt Hennessy is is going to be good. All this, you know, not that he's been terrible, but you know, maybe Matt. This is Matt Hennessy's time. I I don't know. Uh, either way, the depth uh, hopefully shakes out a lot better on the interior there. Um, I guess for me, this one was kind of spurred. The obvious one's wide receiver, like, but it's really like wide receiver four or five is like the battle. So that's somewhat less intriguing because you're like, are these guys even going to play like meaningful snaps? But um, the other one that was kind of brought up by the by OTAs was maybe the depth safety battle because it sounded like Micah Abernathy was actually getting the first snaps alongside Richie Grant with Jesse Bates not present because uh, he's celebrating the birth of his child. So shout out. Congratulations, Jesse Bates. Um, but, um, you know, so Micah Abernathy's out there. I've never seen Micah, M- Micah Abernathy play. Uh, but the coaching staff apparently has, and they, and they like him. Um, obviously, it's OTAs, but maybe it's a little bit spicier than we thought. You know, I think everyone sort of assumed Jalen Hawkins would be that guy, but this is a new mm-hmm. secondary coach, new you know defensive coordinator. Maybe they're look, trying to go in a different direction there. So um, that one is interesting. And they also brought in you know Demarco Helms, seventh rounder. Um, they signed Trey Flowers, who has some safety flexibility as well, and then the, the XFL safety Lucas Dennis. So they have a bunch of guys in there now. To, to that could be fighting for those you know two to three depth safety spots so that that's one under the radar one I'll, I'll go with there um let's see scanning for more questions here okay yeah we got uh, jordan faust this one is one that i have heard actually recently what do you guys think about on a similar vein to deandre hopkins what would you guys think about the falcons bringing back julio jones uh to this roster to serve as like veteran depth um I mean, the the person the part of me that loves Julio Jones and still wears his jersey, like would love to have Julio back. Um, I I sort of doubt that either side wa- is going to want that to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that ship has kind of sailed. But yeah, um, but it, it's it's fun, you know. It, it's interesting. But we we've all seen that you know he's not peak Julio, and I know you're not suggesting that either, Jordan. But you know, in terms of depth, like if he wants to play, I assume he'll be on a roster this year somewhere. So. Mm-hmm. but yeah did anybody else have thoughts on on the the julio jones reunion no i mean seriously <laughs> i 
Julio does not want to come back here. Um, it's definitely not happening. I would rather see him here than like with the Bucks, but no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's unlikely. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree. First off, Jordan, great name. Um, but yeah, I mean, when when you look at the 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 overall scheme of things, too, it's just, I guess, with some of like you just brought in Matt Collins. I don't know his contract numbers again, right off the top of my head. But it, for for whatever reason, to me, it just kind of feels like, even though I know their concerns and questions about the receiver group, like what we have is what we have right now. Um, and again, like any of that cap space they have left is going to be left for you know, any, any injury situations that come up or anything else closer to the, to the start of the season. So, I mean, same thing at the fan and me would love to see Julio back, back in black and red. Right. I mean, I, I think it'd be hard pressed upon anyone that wouldn't want to see that, but in terms of looking at it realistically, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's tough to make it work. And then I think from the relationship standpoint, I think it's better to just let that, you know, let that lie until he comes back to join the Ring of Honor. You know, and I, th- I think we we go from there. So <laughs> let him come back, you know, have have his celebratory moments uh, separately. Um, well, continuing this line of thought, Brandon Brass, another former Falcons wide receiver, Mohamed Sanu. He says he has hinted he's wanted back. I would say Sanu has done more than hinted. I would say he's been openly advocating to return. Uh, what do you guys think about Mo Sanu coming back, I believe he is 33. So, you know, not like this isn't, you know, Terrell Owens coming back or something. But, uh, yeah, what do you, what do you guys think? Uh, Mo Sanu reunion? So, yeah. Sanu is still in playing shape. Um, yes, he's getting up there in years, but he's still in playing shape. He would be very inexpensive, um, especially because of his age. He is an excellent leader, an excellent locker room presence. And, um, yeah, I love Mo, so I am a little bit biased here, but I would that would make me so happy. I would love to see him back in Atlanta. I would love to see him finish his career here. Also, we would automatically have an emergency quarterback. So yes. if somehow they went through all three quarterbacks <laughs> in a game, we've still got Sanu in the back pocket ready to go. So another upside. I Who says no? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Falcons fans are trying desperately to get rid of Felipe Frank. So if you have Mo Sanu to be your emergency quarterback, then that could be another option. Uh, also, Troy Anderson, right? So uh, we've got, we could have like seven quarterbacks. We're just bulletproof at quarterback. It's like you could just keep knocking them down and we just have guys in our back pocket that can throw the ball. So um, yeah, Jordan, what do you think about, about Mo Sanu potential reunion there? Yeah. Yeah, eat your heart out, 49er fans. We have seven quarterbacks. We don't need the new rule. But, uh, no, I, I think that um, it'd be interesting. I mean, like, the one thing I love about both. Oh. I, got, I think my got... mic just, just answered on this one. But, uh, no, I think the thing I love about both Julio and Sanu, again, like you think about the veteran leadership aspect of it, and obviously bringing Muhammad Sanu in would do that, and like Gina said, a lot cheaper, I think, than what Julio would be. Um, but I guess the other question then would become, what does he think he would be in terms of playing time here? Right. And, and because again, you're not bringing him in to be like your full on WR2 in my opinion. So what, what would his expectations be in that? Um, that's the only kind of question that I have, you know, in that regard. Yeah, I think it seems like he's aware at this point that he's probably going to be a depth player somewhere, but he just wants to keep playing. And I mean, he's put in the work with like, uh, Desmond Ritter, right? I guess, I, I mean, there were all those reports that he was out throwing with Desmond Ritter 
uh, and the depths of the offseason just, you know, as someone to practice with. So, look, they got that chemistry already ready. Um, but, look, I mean, Mosinu, I think, obviously a really good run blocker. That's something that it's kind of become a meme, but, like, they, they have not signed a single receiver that isn't a good run blocker. So they clearly value that a lot. They expect everybody out there to be run blocking. He's really good at that. Um, I, I imagine he's capable on special teams, probably hasn't had to play it in a while, but, um, <laughs> I, I assume he's willing. Um, and look, he, he wants to be here. I mean, kind of like Calais Campbell, he's like, I just want someone to want me. And like, he wants to play and you know, I wouldn't be upset at all. I mean, he, Sanu was never a guy that crushed it with his crazy athleticism. So it's not like he's drastically different from where, when he was, you know, playing in Atlanta a few years ago. Um, he's always one with his physicality and, and sort of savviness out there. So, uh, yeah, I have no problem with that. I mean, I, I don't think anyone would be expecting a lot, but as like maybe a wide receiver three caliber guy, probably your backup for Mac Hollins, you know, Drake London as one of those bigger guys. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed at all to bringing him in and, and having him in camp and then seeing what you could do there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see if they end up doing that at some point, but, um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I do think it's it's it, it's more realistic than Julio, uh, certainly. Yeah. So definitely, um, probably more realistic than DeAndre Hopkins too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all I'm all for being talking the Benz. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, all right. We got Nico with a more general football question here. What do you guys think about the recently announced kickoff rule change? So for those that don't know. The kick, Jordan, I can tell you got takes already. Okay. But yeah, the, the rule is, I believe that you can now fair catch the ball anywhere inside the 25 and it will be placed at the 25. So even if it's not in the end zone, like a touchback, it will still go out to the 25. So you could catch it at the five uh, and fair catch it. Um, so basically it will eliminate kickoff returns for anyone that wants to, anyone that wants to fair catch it. So, you know, there's no way to get around going to the 25 now so there's a lot of takes on this um but yeah jordan i I can see you're you're ready to go so go ahead no i I mean it's just tough for me because i think about how you know i know a lot of people look at some contracts that you see in the nfl and it's like oh these guys are getting paid guaranteed contracts things like that right um and the reality is again majority of the people on nfl rosters you know they're just trying to hope they make it week to week right Mm -hmm. and a lot of ways that you make it or you stay on rosters is on special teams. Now, if all of a sudden you take away, you know, kickoff and kickoff return to an extent, that makes it even harder for some of these people to stay on rosters. That that their uh, importance is kind of taken away, and that that just makes it even difficult. I know a lot of my former teammates, like for example, uh, Michael Thomas, who I think he played in in Miami first, kind of got his name on special teams, had a big pick on Brady when he did have to play on on defense but for the most part he's made his living in this league the last you know six seven years by being a big time special teams guy and so now you're going to see a lot less of those because again the importance of kickoff and kickoff return is going to be diminished by this rule so that's the thing that's as you know putting on my former player hat that's the hard part for me and why i don't like it yeah no i I agree with that gina what do you what do you think as well Yeah, I agree with everything that Jordan just said. I mean, I think that it's a really um, underrated element of this. I also, I I know that there is a higher percentage chance that somebody is going to be injured and specifically suffer a head injury um, during a return. So I get that. But you're also, 
not going to stop putting players through four quarters of minor car crashes, you know, that they're getting into with their bodies. Um, so, yeah, it might eliminate a couple of concussions, but I think the league needs to think more broadly about how to prevent those and, and look at things outside of changing rules because it does, it diminishes the value of the punter, the gunners, you know, I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't like it. They're always messing with stuff that doesn't need to be messed with. Yes, yeah, reminds me of when they made pass interference reviewable. And that was a disaster. So it may only be here for one year. <laughs> it mm -hmm. is just a trial. But yeah, I mean, the fact that basically every special teams coordinator had signed on and said, like, we oppose this and they did it anyway is is pretty crummy. Um, you mm -hmm. know, they basically took the people who know the best about this and said, like, we don't care. Um and they, I, I think they're like, I, I don't really know what their angle to this is. I mean, I know they're they're claiming it's to reduce in, you know, reduce injuries. And there's definitely a part of it that's that. But, um, you know, at a certain point, it's like, do, just put the ball to 25 then. Like, if you're going to go that route, like, but, you know, it's still an option to return. I imagine teams with good returners will still do it. Um, you know, I do wonder if it will lead to sloppier kick coverage because guys will be so used to people fair catching that they're they're not ready when someone actually takes it back so maybe there's an opportunity for the really good kick returners to catch some teams sleeping a little bit maybe there's opportunities for a little bit of gamesmanship you know if, if people kick it short maybe you start returning them that sort of thing maybe it creates some sort of game within the game you know weirdness you never really know but um ultimately i i don't think it's good um, and they've already made so many changes to the kickoffs. They've made onside kicks almost impossible. Um, you know, so at a certain point, it's like either get rid of it or, or just leave it alone because you're just, you just keep changing it and making it harder and harder for these, for these players. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of with you guys on that one. I don't know that it needed to be changed again <laughs> at this point, especially when, like I said, the special teams coaches said no. So Listen to your coaches. Listen to the people that actually run these things, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, mm -hmm. like, you look at other leagues, too. I think the XFL, they have, you know, their kickoffs different where I'm not sure the exact, you know, the the num numerical data, but, you know, their injuries and concussions and whatnot on kickoffs is definitely lower than what it was in the NFL. And then, again, with the health part, like, I don't disagree. I know that's part of it. But then you can't say you're doing health for that, and then saying that you're now able to flex Thursday night games. <laughs> like it just it it's, it go it doesn't go together. Mm -hmm. um, no. But you know, sensing a little bit of foul play there, perhaps you know, uh, maybe maybe a little bit of disingenuous behavior by the NFL. Uh, not that they've ever done anything disingenuous in their history, but uh, <laughs> can't only think of you know. Let's see how many things do it. <laughs> Too many to count. Too many to count. But. Uh, yeah, that's a good question, though. That is one of those more interesting things. And Nico mentions, you know, the USFL has a different rule, too. Um, they haven't had any serious injuries on their kickoffs yet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe it needs more of a makeover, but I, I do think that eliminating it entirely, it's sort of like guts a core part of the game that, like, it doesn't get the shine that offense and defense does, but it is a core part of the game. It's part of the three phases, and, you, you know, I think you're you're hurting the game and sort of doing a disservice to the history if you cut it out to such an extent that it's not really a factor at all anymore. So I think safety all for it, uh, find a way that's going to keep the product on the field. Good. And there's, we've seen leagues that are more creative, like the XFL and USFL find intriguing ways to continue doing kickoffs. So I, I think that's, that's something to consider for sure. 
Um, or the whole fourth and 25 thing. I think that's, that's interesting too. If you're going to basically, you know, litigate the, the onside kick out of the league, then at least give teams some kind of option that has a chance to work. Um, so mm-hmm. definitely interesting Agreed. though. Yeah. Um, all right. We got, uh, Nico also asking about, uh, the possibility of Corey Davis coming here. I've talked about Corey Davis a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of thought he'd be released by now. It's a little odd. That the jets are holding on to him despite the fact that he's supposed to be like the fourth wide receiver on the jet depth chart at this point. Um, and he's making 11, $12 million. Um, I know Nico's saying, oh, well, if they sign, if they sign D hop, then the Falcons can go get Corey Davis. But yeah, I, I think the jets are sort of fishing around for someone to trade for him. Um, which again, the whole thing comes up of like, well, who's paying 12 million for Corey Davis, you know, who not, not necessarily through any fault of his own has been trapped with Zach Wilson for several years. And just that hasn't really worked out, but you know, other than Garrett Wilson, nobody's really worked out there. I mean, Elijah Moore, they just traded away. So, um, yeah, I'm curious your guy. I've talked about Corey Davis a lot. I'm a big fan. I think he makes the most sense for Atlanta than any other team. Obviously the connection with Arthur Smith, one of the best run blocking wide receivers, he would give them that wide receiver too, that they really need, but haven't heard you guys take on that. If he were to become available, uh, Gina, is that, uh, somebody you would want to go after and potentially give a, a decent contract to? Yeah, I've always liked Corey Davis, too. And like you said, I think that his relationship with Arthur Smith would be very beneficial. It would be really easy for him to come in and learn the system, um, you know, which would give him an advantage over most other receivers that might be available. So, yeah, I mean, I would be on board with that. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Jordan, what do you think about the potential for the Corey Davis reunion with Arthur Smith? Yeah, I know I'll sound kind of hypocritical because I know a few questions ago I already said I think that the receiver room, what it is, is probably what it is. But I think this is a situation, though, where, again, like Mohamed Sanu, if the if the Jets do decide to trade with us, let's just say they don't release them, obviously the first question is, okay, how much of this contract are you going to eat if you're in New mm-hmm. York? So that way, if all of a sudden he's here on um, like 4 or $5 million, that looks a whole lot more like, okay, yeah, I think we might do this and make this happen. Then you still have that security around $5 million blanket for anything else that pops up in the year. And yeah, again, I just feel like if you do that and you make that room look at least a little bit better than what it is. And I think Corey Davis is someone that can do that. Then yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. But I guess to your point, Kevin, I thought that if Corey Davis was going to be a Falcon, whether it was because he was released or by trade, I, I, I thought I'd see it happen by now. And again, yeah. in terms of, I thought the Jets would be much more willing already to to let him go. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Well, keep keeping the wide receiver train going here because uh, that seems to be the topic du jour. Apparently, um, had a question about uh, which of these, who, basically, who's our favorite for that fifth receiver? Because I think for myself, I've got you know Drake and Mac Hollins and Scotty Miller and Kaderil Hodge sort of penciled in as the first four for various reasons. Um, but you know, fifth, sixth guys, there's so many guys they brought in. I'm curious where you guys are leaning, you know, Jared Bernhardt probably would have been my fifth, but he retires. Um, so yeah, uh, Jordan curious, do you have a favorite right now of all the guys for that last wide receiver spot? I do have a favorite, but that's cause he was my old teammate. So I'm biased. Of course, they just okay. brought in J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So, you know, that that was, you know, he was my teammate at Stanford. Um, yeah. But, again, you think about, like you said before, all the people that they brought in, 
um, in terms of he's a big, tall, physical guy, good run blocker. You had to be a good run blocker if you're going to play at Stanford because that's what we always did. Um, and, you know, he's just one of those guys where, you know, I know it didn't work out in Philly, but even what I had seen in terms of, you know, his hands catching ability, things like that, it was a lot better than what I saw in Philadelphia. So I really do believe that a fresh start for him is just what he needs. Uh, but again, like I'm, I can't help it. I got to pull for my, my former teammate. So that that's going to be my pick. No, that one I think makes a lot of sense too. You mentioned it. Like he last year, he played a lot of, or well, I guess it was technically 2021, but played a lot of special teams and graded out really well. And uh, obviously run blocking one of his strengths. And it's people think it's a meme that like we talk about that with wide receivers. No, that's what the Falcons care about. Like if you can catch the ball, that's secondary. <laughs> you got to block. You got to block your ass off first. But Gina, do you have a favorite right now of all these uh, wide receivers we got in here crowding up the roster? Actually, I I also really like um, our Sega Whiteside. So I was really excited when I saw that they signed him. I always thought that he had you know significant potential um, and just maybe not the right fit to live up to it. So yeah, change of scenery can be really good for guys and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, and for me, I've, I've mentioned like a bunch of guys on like every different show. So, but I'm sticking with Xavier Malone, the, uh, Henderson state UDFA reportedly mid to low four twos. Uh, some crazy person said he ran a four one nine. I don't believe it, but, um, you know, I, if you watch his tape, like put on uh, Xavier Malone Henderson State tape and just like laugh because it is hilarious. Like I, I think he had almost two thousand yards. Um, well, he had a lot of yards. I don't remember. I'm getting him confused with other UDFAs, but lots of yardage, a ridiculous number of touchdowns, and I think he averaged over twenty yards per reception on like seventy catches. Um, and he just is running away from every single person in Division Two and breaking tackles. And this is a guy who's five seven. 180 or so um not a big guy but his contact balance was surprisingly good so i think that's something that you often see with these smaller speedsters that they can't survive contact and he didn't have a problem with it he went up for some contested catches and um he bounced off of tacklers and got out and obviously we're talking about division two so you know keep that in mind but um in division two they could still tackle that's not the problem in division two it's typically the athleticism is a little bit lower these guys can still tackle. I mean, it's still college football players. Um, but uh, he's really interesting um, if they're looking for more of that speedster. Uh, but, you know, I don't know what they want. Like, because they've got Scotty Miller and they've got like that sort of archetype with him and Xavier Malone and Keon Harris and Frank Darby and Slade Bolden and those types of guys. And then they've got like the bigger mold with Ortega Whiteside and Justin Marshall, Mac Hollins, Josh Ali, like these bigger receivers. So it's like, I don't know which one they like want to keep as like their fifth guy or maybe sixth guy at this point. But um, yeah, it's going to be in, like, it's wide receiver five. It's like not the sexiest thing, but it's fun to like, see all these receivers like fighting it out. I mean, there's like eight guys competing for maybe one or two roster spots. And that's always fun. Um, to see when it really is that wide open. It could be any of these guys. Um, all right. Yes. Yeah, so if anybody else has further questions, get those in. I know we had one more, um, but yeah, if you guys have any more, drop them in and we'll, we'll wrap up here shortly. But uh, I know we had one. I f- sorry. I forgot who asked it, but uh, the potential for Michael Pruitt to return has gotten brought up and, you know, a guy that came in right before camp last year. Also, um, you know, it was a little bit later in the process ended up, earning basically tight end one honors by the time it was all said and done after Kyle Pitts uh, got hurt. 
But uh, what do you guys think, Gene? I'll let you go first. Do you think about a potential Michael Pruitt reunion? They didn't really bring in anyone other than Jonu Smith, who was sort of a unique tight end in his own right. Um, so there's, what do you think about that potential reunion there? Yeah, I think that that's definitely a possibility, um, especially since he would already know the scheme. Uh, yeah, I like Jonu Smith. I thought that that was a really smart decision for the Falcons but um you got to carry three tight ends you carry at least like you can't just have two guys and hope for the best not with how violent this league is yeah yeah I think like they kicked five at one point last year like I Mm -hmm. think they had five so they're gonna keep at least four I imagine um some teams do only keep three but like Gina said uh potential spot for him still um, maybe some other guys they want to see first. I don't know. But uh, what do you think, Jordan, looking at that tight end depth chart, do you think you would bring in Michael Pruitt to really solidify that group? So here's where, you know, I have like this evil genius scientist mind at times. Uh, I love the idea of them going like a 13 personnel with Kyle Pitts out there. He's outside a receiver. And, you know, Janu, maybe he's receiver or slot. And Mike Cole's in there, too, because usually you hear 13 personnel. Everyone's going to think, OK, that's a run formation They're Whatever they're doing, they're running the football. And then all of a sudden you have no idea where everyone's lining up. So just the thought process of that, it really just popped in my head. And I really love it. Um, I don't know if you all saw how, like Twitter a few weeks ago. I was kind of joking around. Like, I'd love to see us just open up in like triple option wishbone one one yeah. game just for the fun of it. But uh, no, I mean, I think that'd be great. It's also interesting to see, you know, obviously they love their bigger tight ends they'd love to keep as well again for that inline blocking obviously john fitzpatrick who was on um ir last year you know guys like parker hesse so it'd be just interesting to see what kind of balance kind of like what you said with receiver right you know you have you have your bigger guys and you have your small speedsters so what's the balance of that that they want to have yeah no i think that's a good point and you know to me it's like i wonder if they're just trying to get to see john fitzpatrick and tucker fisk a little bit more but that Michael's probably still on speed dial, um, which is basically what happened last year too. They got to look at the guys they had in and they're like, all right, let's get Michael Pruitt in here. And, um, you know, you know what you have in Michael Pruitt. He is getting into his early thirties. So, you know, I, I get the desire to find, you know, younger options there, but uh, he was, he had that instant chemistry with Ritter. I don't think I would mess with that. I would, I would have already brought him back personally, but I do want to see what we've got in like John Fitzpatrick and obviously Parker Hesse is still here to be one of the primary blockers. Um, so like they, they have a group, like if they can get John Fitzpatrick basically to, to fill that Michael Pruitt role or be that, you know, reliable blocker and occasional receiver, then, then maybe they don't necessarily need to make that move. But um, I just feel better about the depth basically if, if Pruitt is back in the building, but uh, yeah, I, I like that tight end group as a whole, obviously with, with Pitts and Johnny Smith and Parker Hesse leading it off. So pretty, pretty good group there, but um, yeah, guys, well, I don't, I don't see any more questions. So I think we are uh, all good with today's show. Uh, really appreciate every, every patron for coming in and hanging out with us. Appreciate all the questions from online. Really appreciate your guys support all year long. Um, there will be an update soon on the patron fantasy leagues. I imagine we'll probably have to go to three this year because we have, uh, I think, 40 patrons now. So um, probably have to go to three leagues. So keep an eye out for that. We'll probably get started setting those up uh, in June, July and do our usual offline draft stuff. But uh, make sure to keep your eyes open for that. If you're watching the show 
after it's aired and you're interested in getting involved with those Patreon Fantasy Leagues or the Patreon in general, the link is patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. Uh, if you're watching this also, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, before we take off, I want to thank tonight's wonderful guests. First of all, Jordan Watkins at Big 75 Fella. Jordan, I forget what you're up to these days, so please let the people know what you're doing. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, right? Uh, you know, usually broadcasting on Pac-12 Network. Um, now the Warriors season's done, so I'm not doing stuff with them right now. But a lot of times you can catch me at NBC kind of working in production stuff for all the 11,000 teams that they cover out here in the Bay Area. Uh, but, yeah, that's usually it. But, um, yeah, you know, this is always fun. So looking forward to being on here a lot more here soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much for coming on. Always a pleasure chatting it up with you. And of course we had with us the wonderful Gina Kelly at Gina Thomas on Twitter, still at SB nation crushing it and occasionally writing bangers at the Falcoholic Gina, anything else that you'd like to plug? Yeah. So if you watch succession, go to SBNation.com and read about the conspiracy theory that I wrote about today. Um, first of all, it involves a World Series play that I was not aware of from 1920. And secondly, it really might be the key to who ends up taking over Logan Roy's throne. So, um, yeah. So obviously I'm working really hard on football related stuff. <laughs> You're just writing bangers. It doesn't matter what sport now. Um, that's that's what true. So, yeah. No, I Now I have to check this out. I, you, I know you mentioned it earlier. Like, oh, sorry. I was distracted down the, the succession rabbit hole. But, I mean, as one as one does, right? So, yes. Um, but, yes, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate everyone for tuning in with us tonight. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. The show is Falcoholic Live, Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. You can find us on uh, all your podcast platforms here on YouTube. We will be off on uh, Wednesdays, Falcoholic Live this week. As I'll be celebra- celebrating uh, Caroline, my wife's tenure. So we're uh, excited about that. So we will be uh, off. Having some- <laughs> what was that? Was that some kind of creature? That was a dog, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And it did not sound like whatever is happening is going well. So Yeah. That's, that's oh, what boy. happens when you're outside. You never know what's going to happen out there. So no, it's you dangerous. don't. So we be- we better we probably should wrap this up so you can get somewhere safe. But uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, like I said, we'll be off on Wednesday. But we'll be back the week after with some more tremendous content as we get to, unfortunately, uh, one of the slowest parts of the NFL calendar. But you know, it's all opportunity for all of us to relax a little bit. Um, but no, I'm sure you'll all be arguing about two or three Desmond Ritter throws at OTAs. So that's fine. Uh, I, I don't. You know, that's your prerogative. You know, do what you do what you want. Uh, thank you guys again. We'll talk to you next time on the Falcoholic Live. This today's show uh, was presented by Bet Online, so didn't forget it this time. Sometimes I have to add that back in, you know. So I'm getting better, guys. I'm getting better at this. There we go. So, hey, day, yeah. week to week improvement. That's all yes, that matters. That's all that one percent every day, right? One percent. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Have a great night. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.